Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to lesson three of Drop the Leash, the mini class. We've already discussed that it's time to stop rolling over and playing dead. And today we're going to look at who is holding your leash. Who is holding your leash? Who is holding you back? Why aren't you accomplishing everything that you were born to bring out into the world? That's the topic today. And again, I'll go back to our dogs as our example and kind of grounding um, method to enter into this lesson. If you live in a big city or around a lot of people, when you walk your dog, you usually use a leash. A lot of places, that's the law. And there's a good reason for that. There's a lot of moving parts, cars, people, other dogs. And we don't want our dogs to either get hit or hurt or, you know, damage someone else's property. So a leash is a way to control their behavior. But here's the thing. People also walk around with leashes, but instead of around their necks, it's around their minds. And it's all habitual thinking about past events. When you think about a past event or react because of a past event to something happening to you right now, you have a leash on your mind. When you look at a situation that's happened and you decide that you were either clumsy, stupid, selfish, stubborn, an idiot, the list goes on and on, basically you put yourself down or you judge yourself, that label will repeat when you find yourself in a new set of circumstances that are similar enough that you recognize it and you come back with that habitual pattern. So we're going to learn who is holding your leash. As an example, let me just share very quickly. I grew up in a family of boys. I was the only girl, and one of those brothers was my twin. So I had an instant comparison. I think I came out of the womb comparing myself to my brother. It just was something I did all the time. And growing up, that was fine. Of course, boys do things a lot differently than girls, but the differences really became apparent after we graduated from college and started our careers because I tried to fit in to what I thought his definition of success was. And of course, it didn't fit me. It didn't work. And that's when I finally came to the realization that I needed to shift. I needed to change. It wasn't anything he was doing. It was what I was doing. And so I did a lot of self-work and, and became more self-aware of my own strengths and my own interests and my own talents and passions. And I reformed my definition of success. And because of that, I've been able to come out and teach courses like this, write books, speak in front of hundreds of people, and travel the country giving talks to let people know that there's a different way to look at their life. So essentially, I dropped the leash on my preconceptions and misperceptions of myself and my value in the world. And that's what I would love to see you do today and as we move forward. So let me ask you a couple of questions. 
Do you feel that you're in control of your life or are you living by someone else's definition of success, similar to what I did for many years? Are there old stories that still color your present moments? And you know that when you either overreact to a situation or you feel just that overwhelming sense of shame for something that seems very tri trivial. Those emotions are signposts for you that there's something there that hasn't healed. There's something you're holding on to and you have to let it go. And another question I wanted to ask is, are there things you've done in the past that you still regret and you still use that today? to make decisions, to make choices, and to see your world. If any of these things apply to you, then this lesson of who is holding your leash is going to open your eyes. Because what we're going to talk about real quickly is forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a dirty word, and I am not using it in this context with anything remotely related to religion or being religious. When I use the word forgiveness, I mean that process of when you see the light of love in the other person, no matter what they did and no matter what the behavior is, you actually see their face, their F-A-C-E, their connection eternal. Because remember, Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with you and what your interpretation was of that other person or their behavior. And somehow we've gotten this idea of forgiveness all kind of balled up because we feel like if I'm forgiving, then I'm the bigger person and you, the person I'm forgiving, should congratulate me for being that bigger person. In the book, Drop the Leash, I go into this in much more detail, but suffice it to say that fake forgiveness, which is what I just described, is really more on the intellectual mind level. I did this, so you should be grateful. And it really focuses on you instead of the other person. And so you know you've fallen into this trap of fake forgiveness when you claim to have forgiven, but you're still hurt and angry. You claim to have offered forgiveness, but your expectations are never met by the other person. The other person doesn't react the way you want them to. You see nothing that you have done to contribute to the situation or create it, and you are the one who's totally justified. You don't grow from the event and you remain the victim. If you still experience any or all of these things, you've, you've fallen into the trap of fake forgiveness. Because fake forgiveness does not spring from the heart or from a connection to anything bigger than you. It's just you in your mind circling round and round saying, well, I've, I've forgiven them. Why aren't they acting differently towards me? Your energy hasn't changed. So how do you move from fake forgiveness to real forgiveness? Well, 
let me turn back to my friends, the dogs, because they know this instinctively. They know they are unconditional love. Of course, they can't express that in words, but they live it. They are it. And that is a behavior we want to model. Humans start out that way when you look into any baby's eyes. No matter what part of the world they're born in, no matter what culture or country they're part of, you look into a baby's eyes and you will see that bigger light of love. You will see that bigger connection. Because a baby hasn't learned yet to express himself or herself with language. A baby hasn't learned to create stories. A baby hasn't learned that thoughts can create things. A baby is just there. A baby is just being, just like a dog. So we all came from love. That's the first place to get to real forgiveness. And then from there, you can see that same light of love in the other person, no matter what their behavior. The result of real forgiveness authentic forgiveness, is that the hurt that you experienced leads to a greater expansion of you. You actually reclaim your power and become stronger and bigger. And it was probably a lesson that you needed to learn. And there are some people, some philosophies that believe that you actually created that situation so it could reflect back to you what you most needed to learn. But just know that with real forgiveness, there's no right or wrong. You're coming from a place of love. You're seeing the other person with love. And you're regaining your own peace. Now, I've said this before, but dogs don't need to do forgiveness. They never leave their space of love. And if they do, they always return to it. After the big barking or, or chasing the squirrel and they settle down again, they return to who they are, which is love on four legs. People, however, are a little bit more stubborn and have a hard time letting go of those judgments or pain or anger. So how can we be more like our dogs? Just learn to release and let go. When you find yourself triggered by something that should be fairly neutral, that's a sign that there's something that you need to look at. And deep breathing in the moment is so helpful. And if you just practice this deep breathing and kind of center yourself again and not step into that emotional vortex, you've already regained your peace. And then when you have a quiet moment, Sitting down and thinking about it and just writing out, journaling what comes up. This is so important because your emotional reaction shows you that there's something there that needs to be uh, brought to the light. So as you journal, <clears throat> don't judge what comes up, but just stay with it. And ask yourself some of these questions because they may help you. Is your version of what happened the truth. 
Is your version of what happened the truth? <clears throat> Answer that question. And then the next question is, what would have to be true to support your story? What would have to be true? What would the other people have to be to support your story? And then the final question is, is there another way to look at what happened? Is there another way to look at what happened? And these questions will all lead you to the realization that you chose to give that situation or that event a certain meaning and that you are not taking into account any other possibility. And then you get locked into that story and you feel like you're right. So it's an unraveling process and it's a moving from the ego, I'm right, you're wrong kind of thinking back to your heart. And so when you shine the light of forgiveness on the situation and go through these questions and journal, you're going to uncover a deeper hurt, a deeper part of you that is crying out to be healed. And as you bring it up and as you identify it, you will become more authentic. You will become more of yourself. You will return to that space that we're all supposed to live from, that space that dogs and babies already know. Here's one final concept I'll leave you with to think about. In the book, I talk a lot about uh, your DNA. And your DNA is your imprint. It's in every single cell. It defines and sculpts what you look like, what your skin color is, your eyes, your hair, etc., your physical characteristics. But I believe that we all have a spiritual DNA. And that spiritual DNA is our thumbprint, our spiritual thumbprint. No one else has it. No one else can copy you, and no one else can say that their DNA, spiritual DNA, is better than yours. And hopefully you would never say that about anyone else. So DNA, I, I have a special definition for that. To me, it means divine nature assigned. You have a divine assignment. You have a purpose here in this world, on this earth, at this time and place in history. And the only way that you can uncover that is to start releasing all of these old limiting stories that keep you playing small. So please, think about forgiveness. Think about all these things that perhaps are holding you back. And then go play with your dog. Because he knows how to live. He doesn't have any stories. All he wants to do is love you. Thank you again. This is Lesson 3 of Drop the Leash Mini Class. And head on over to Facebook. I've created a page called Drop the Leash Pack, P-A-C-K. And we've gotten, we've gotten a lot of people to join, and there's a lot of discussion going on. And that's where you can find the previous lessons in this series as well. And if you've enjoyed these audio lessons, 
please uh, buy the book. I go into a lot more detail and give a lot more examples of these different concepts. And there's some wonderful graphics and photographs that, that bring the message home. So please, let's do this together. Let's raise our own vibration first and then go out and do that for the world. So this is Katherine Erickson, and I hope you have a wonderful day.